This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey there, and good morning, and welcome to The Garden Show. I'm like the, uh, I'm like the little cutting that has a little bit of that uh, growth hormone dabbled at the bottom of it to try and propagate. My name is Dean Holland, and it is my pleasure to welcome, of course, the guru of the garden, yeah, Charlie Dobbin. How are you, Charlie? Good morning, Dean. I'm great. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. We've had a up in my parts. We've had a bit of uh, a bit of the white stuff this week for sure. Most of it is uh, most of it is gone, but uh, actually all of it is gone. But it's still it it hung on because we were sitting right around the zero mark. Wow! So you had like real snow? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we had some real snow, and then again, it, because it was sitting around the zero mark, it, it tends to hang around for a day or so. But it's uh, yeah, we're sitting just a couple degrees above zero now, so it's it's gone. It's supposed oh. to get up to about five up here today. So tell us where you are, because we're all curious. Yeah, so I, I've lived in the Collingwood area. I've lived in Collingwood uh, since 2003. So, yeah, so I'm here uh, uh, just the south end of Collingwood and uh, about well, about about 10 minutes from the border of Gray County, which is then uh, from Blue Mountain. Yeah. Nice. Wow. Ski country. Cool. So I, I too, am... Uh, uh, broadcasting live and direct, not from Liberty Village, but from my home studio in Prince Edward County. So we're very fortunate, the two of us. Uh, we are in beautiful, beautiful locations. But I'm just going to tell you something. Can you, you have a job. Can you do your job? Can you? I do. Uh, I'm going to do my job. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we we would like you, of course, we want people to start calling, uh, of course, our, sorry, the phone numbers. Uh, if you are in Toronto, uh, you need to call 416-360-0740 or anywhere in the province. And that's a toll-free call. And that's one 866 Seven four zero four seven four zero, and of course the mantra that we've had for many years, of course, call early, call often, and one question per call, please. And of course, uh, let Carlos know if you are uh, a first-time caller, because of course we have the uh, the garden wings, right? Make sure that we uh, we send those out as well. The bell that gives you your garden wings when you make <laughs> that call. You got it. Now. I- Hey, listen, I have a, a, a quick update or an announcement to share yeah. with everybody. I am speaking this coming Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that's Tuesday, November 23rd. And it's a super timely topic. My topic is gardening in a changing climate. Or it's actually how to garden better in a changing climate. I am sponsored by the Canadian Rose Society open to anybody who would like to attend a Zoom presentation Tuesday at 7 p.m. So if you'd like to get in on this timely presentation, the email to ask for the Zoom uh, uh, connection is CRS, so CRS for Canadian Rose Society, registrar at Bell 
dot net. Fabulous. Fabulous. Now you look, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to being there too. I have, uh, over the years, tried to, uh, to grow some roses, especially in our, when we were living in Hamilton, which is originally where my wife and I are from, we had uh, some great success with roses, but uh, not as much up here in Collingwood. Is is just because the slightly different climate? Uh, well, a few things. It's definitely a um, slightly cooler climate. You know what you need? You need to grow roses that are grown on their own roots. So that would be like, uh, there's a whole series of roses. Actually, the number one world selling rose is called a knockout rose. So like knock, knock. Okay. Yeah. See if you can get a hold of a knockout rose in the spring. They come with red flowers, um, double red flowers, pink, like a light pink, a dark pink. There's a number of colors there. Some are single, some are doubles. Very nice roses, but full sun, full sun, fertile, well-drained soil. Okay. Super- Am I remembering correctly if I said that I used to have a Florabunda rose? Yes, yes. Okay. So Florabundas are like the sweetheart roses. So each branch on a Florabunda grows with a stem and multi-little buds and blooms on that one branch. So when you – they're called sweetheart roses because, you know, one one cane or stem has multi-beautiful little flowers all on it, which is great. Great. Um, I know it just to, uh, we're going to have to go to our first break very shortly. But mm-hmm. uh, before the end of the show, I'm, I have to ask you about my clematis that I uh, I transplanted earlier this in the spring. I transplanted it because it really wasn't doing much. We inherited it, uh, you know, 11 years ago when we bought the residence that we're in. And it never really did a lot. And I remember my grandmother's clematis is being fabulous. So I transplanted it maybe in the wrong place. We can talk more about your clematis. Sorry to to um, oh. put you on that. Clema. Yeah. Clematis is clema from the Greek to climb. <laughs> Clematis. Okay. Right well, now we have to right now we have to climb into our first break though. Okay. And then when we come back, uh, we'll have some questions. Excellent. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, Charlie, we are back and we have, we have Teresa on the line from Mississauga. How are you doing there, Teresa? Well, fine, thank you. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I have a quick question. Uh, I'd like to transfer transfer a rose bush from one end to uh, my garden to another. Is it a good time to do it now or in the spring? It's a little late now to do it, uh, Teresa. This wouldn't be the optimal time. When we're going to transplant, particularly something important like a rose, we try to do that transplanting about six weeks before the first hard frost. Now, at my house, we got a hard frost last night. So the problem with transplanting now is the, the rose will not get any roots growing after you do the transplanting, and it may suffer as a result. So instead, wait till next spring if you can, early spring, not when it, the ground is all mucky and mushy. Wait till the ground is thawed and a little bit dried out, uh, and then do your transplanting then, or wait till next September. Okay, so I'll do it in the spring. Okay, very good. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. Thanks for calling. Bye bye. Thanks, Teresa. Bye bye. Uh, you know what? We can go. We have another caller waiting. So why don't we go and uh, let's talk to uh, Susan? We've got uh, we got Susan from Burlington. How are you this morning, Susan? 
I'm good. No frost here. I'm in Burlington. <laughs> no frost there yet, and no white and stuff. All kinds of crazy stuff. Hmm. Nice. What's going on in your garden? Well, I've been doing the garden cleanup. I'm a little behind, but I was cutting hostas off and just, you know, cleaning everything up. And I came across a patch of, it looked like someone had sprayed some kind of white foam. I had to peel it off. It's almost like a plasticky, foamy stuff on top of the soil, and it does permeate a little bit down into the soil. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that is? You're not going to like the sounds of this. <laughs> uh, I didn't like finding it. <laughs> it Does it kind of look like somebody vomited on the surface of the soil? <laughs> well, except it's, it's pure white, and it's, white. it's got almost a stretchiness to it almost when you peel it up. Like, it seriously looks like somebody put spray foam insulation. But I, I know that is not has not happened. It's got to be something organic. <laughs> okay. It is called, like I said, you're not going to like the sounds of this, slime mold. Slime mold? Yeah. Really? It's okay. Don't worry. It, I mean, it looks disgusting, but it won't hurt anything. <laughs> it's just, I, it's funny. I looked out my window about a month or so to out my side window, and it was the same kind of thing, except mine was bright orange, like neon orange. And I'm like, what is that? And I went over and I went, oh, I know what that is. <laughs> but and it will just, it's very it, common. Does it have to do with soil pH or anything, or is there something I can do to stop it? Um, no, no, it's it's actually, it's it, it's... I don't, it's got to do with environmental conditions. It will not hurt anything. What will happen is that white, just leave it alone. It will dry up and it will turn to dust and it will blow away eventually. Like it won't be there in the spring. It just suddenly will show up. But it is a, it's a mold. So it's a fungus. It grows because all the certain things are all in the right place. The, the obviously the food for the fungus to, to thrive, to grow quickly. And um, obviously the temperature, the humidity, all those important things. So it, it is really quite disgusting looking, but it will not, like I say, it will not hurt anything. Okay. And so it's not related to like overusing mic or anything like that? Well, you know what? Um, funny. So mics being mycorrhiza, do you use that consistently or just when you're planting? Just a little bit this year when I was planting. So it is possible, I'd have to do further research to know for sure, but it is possible when we add, like we're adding fungus to our soil when we're using a product like Mike's or a product like I use called Root Rescue. And so we're adding mycorrhiza. Mycorrhiza is a form of fungus, but it's a very uh, lovely fungus that makes a partnership with the plants. So the roots of the plants and the mycorrhiza have this lovely little teamwork that they get going if they're in the presence of each other, where they feed each other, they support each other. You get more roots in the presence of mycorrhiza, and so you get you know better, healthier plants, uh, and you also have the certain amount of uh, nutrient being transferred from the fungus to the, the roots of the plant. So it's a very positive thing. So it is possible that when we, we kind of are artificially modifying our soil with this amendment, that we it's possible we are encouraging the formation of things like slime molds. But a slime mold, like I said, will not hurt anything. So don't well, worry. 
I'm I'm relieved, but <laughs> thank you very much. At least I know what so, it is. Well, and they are often glow in the dark colors. Trust me. I think white is slightly unusual. They're usually like orange and green and yellow, and really like knock your socks off. <laughs> so I got well, lucky. Thanks very much. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for calling, Susan. The uh, the glow in the dark slime mold. It reminds me of one of those nineteen fifties horror films. You know, exactly. come on. So no, exactly right. Like it just. That's why I said she's not going to like what I'm going to no, tell. No. Me, but, um, uh, I got. We have to go to a break. Uh, I do oh, have a. Can we do a quick email or no? Uh, we'll give the numbers out. You know, yeah. Uh, let's uh, make sure you give us a call. Four one six three six zero. 0740 in Toronto or anywhere in the province of Ontario, 1 866 And uh, yeah, we, we would love to hear from you, but we, uh, we should go to our next break now and then we'll come back with some more callers, okay? Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey there, Charlie. Guess what we have up next? We have a first-time caller. We got Yay. Jim from Simcoe. How you doing there, Jim? Oh, hello there. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Uh, I have a question about uh, wildflower seeds. Now, I have some um, milkweed and some uh, Tuthinia torch. I'm uh, wondering, can I, first of all, can I plant them at this time of year? Yes. Okay. Now, if the seeds that I don't plant now, uh, do they have to be uh, scarified or, or like winterized? Stratified, yes. Oh. So, so how, was, yeah. how should I do that? Just leave them outside in a, in a bag or something? or? Well, you know what I would do, Jim? This is where you have to kind of... Uh, be mother nature so in nature milkweed have flowered and gone to seed typically in late august early september and they've yeah. got those beautiful they look like little miniature cucumbers and they the pods open up and all the little seeds blow yeah so that's um i would take if you've got a sort of a bag of, of milkweed seeds i would go out where you hope for that they will grow so obviously an open sunny area where there's you know sort of room for them to settle yeah, okay. in, seeds to settle in, spend the winter on the surface of the soil, and hopefully grow in the spring. So I would do that now. If you want to hold back some of the seeds, then put them in. Um, grab a, a clean Ziploc bag, plastic bag. Okay. Get clean potting soil, so sterile, never been used. Potting mix or peat moss, something that's absolutely sterile. Take the rest of those seeds. Pop them into the moist peat uh, potting mix because you'll put a little bit of moisture in that Ziploc bag. Okay. Put the seeds in that moist, zipped-up bag into the crisper in your refrigerator and let them have winter in your refrigerator. So by March, you would pull them out of the refrigerator and then I would start them indoors. You would you would set up a, a you know, seed-starting situation with them. Oh, so they're in there for about four or five months then? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and the fridge is cool enough. They they just need that, and that's what stratification is. It's when we provide uh, a temperature 
diff like what the plant the seeds need in order to grow in this case they need some winter okay okay i think that's uh, what i wanted to know well thank you very much let us know how that works out okay appreciate your help Bye. thanks for calling well, it's kind of interesting, too, what Jim is talking about, because it was, what, a week or two ago that I did exactly that. I had mm-hmm. did, um, milkweed seeds from the Royal Botanical Gardens when I was there back uh, back in September. We were yeah. taping another episode of Healing Gardens, which is a documentary series we've been working on. And um, I collected some seeds. They were in my garage. I was like, so I went out. I pretended I was like Mother Nature. I just like you know, sort of flung the seeds up into the air, watched them blow around and said, I hope you land in a good spot. (laughs) We used to love doing that as kids. They were like one of the greatest things to find. Exactly. Uh, What time, what time of the year would they spread open like that and start to burst? Late summer. Late summer. Okay. Yep. Yep. Brings back some, some great memories. Uh, Listen, we have to go to Etobicoke. We have Georgina on the line. Georgina, how are you this morning? Good morning. Good morning. Um, Morning. I'm sorry. Um, okay, I have hydrangeas, um, Charlie, and they're gorgeous. But they've been there like for about thirty years, so and they come up lovely every year. And I generally cut them right back now in the fall. But I know you've sort of said that it would be better to maybe cut them back in the spring. But they're so just kind of hanging over, and that's really what my problem is. They're so beautiful. But the stems are so tall that the first rain they just fall and and you know that's the way they stay all summer. And I'd, I'd really I've seen them where they're a shorter stem. Could I if I cut another like in the spring? What do you think that would do it? How low do you typically cut them when you are cutting them? I beg your pardon. How low? How far down do you cut the stems? Uh, as when far you... down as I can go. Uh, generally, it's. It's pretty old wood, so I, I practically go right down to that. But I know last year I didn't. I did partly, and then it got very cold, and I left them. Um, I know that. What does it make that much difference cutting them in the spring or the fall? Because they're really awful looking right now, and they're sort of hanging on the driveway, really. Absolutely. No, you're right, George. You know, you everybody has a different situation when it comes to when to cut down something like hydrangeas. If many times they look quite nice in the fall and I like to leave them because they the flowers are golden bronze. They hang on all winter. They, you know, they they give us some movement and and some ornamental uh, value in the winter. But if they're hanging all over your driveway, absolutely cut them down. My suggestion is cut them right down. Cut them right almost to the ground, like literally as low as you can go. Uh, they're not going to look like much all winter, which is fine. Uh, they, when they start to grow in the spring, uh, just cross your fingers that they don't grow super tall. Probably the reason they're getting so tall is because you have a variety called Annabelle hydrangea. And Annabelle is a very old a variety of hydrangea, very popular, still sold to this day, but it does tend to be top heavy. So that's why you get that falling over because of the heavy flowers. And so they do tend to be floppy. Their stems are a little bit weak, if you will. There's a newer variety out there and it's it's a hydrangea, looks the same to anybody's eye, but the variety is instead of called Annabelle, it's called Incredible. So 
incredible but incredible. And the flowers are the size of a soccer ball, they say. So that's where incredible comes from. They are much stronger stems. They will not fall over. So up to you. If, um, okay. Get yourself a little backhoe and so dig those out. They, they come up absolutely gorgeous in the spring. And big white flowers. And um, um, But, you know, like as I say, the first, the first heavy rainfall, they all fall right down. I do stake them up also. I put all stakes mm-hmm. all through them. But doesn't seem to really do that much good so no because anyway, the stems are weak fine. thank you the very stem- much i'm not hearing you too clearly so i hope i haven't uh, oh. missed anything but so it you feel i could ca- cut them down now i would prefer to do it in the fall yes go ahead okay do that okay. thank you very much great you're very thank- welcome Thanks very much, Georgina. That uh, them the uh, hydrangea falling over reminds me of the plight of our peonies. So often, you know, you, they just you wait all year and then they come down. They come out so beautifully, and then sometimes that rain just flattens them all down. It invariably the rain happens the absolute day when the peonies are at their oh. best. <laughs> just kills me sometimes. Uh, listen, I want to give out the phone numbers again. Uh, please give us a call, uh, 416-360-0740, anywhere in Toronto, or if you are outside Toronto, anywhere in the province of Ontario, one 740 4740, and that is a toll-free call. Um, I, I actually have an email here that we got from uh, Jane, also regarding her hydrangea. Uh, she's in Beamsville, um, and she was also wondering about cutting them down, the difference being that she has no old wood yet. So she was wondering uh, if, if she prunes, prunes them back, and she was saying, you know, in that first week in November that she had uh, some frost, and, and she was also asking about compost, you know, what she should put at the base of it for the winter Mm -hmm. right and you'll notice as well that jane's uh email she gives us the name of her hydrangea which are called endless summer this was a, a brand new variety of hydrangea introduced into the market about 15 years ago the claim to fame of this hydrangea was that it will bloom on new wood so new growth that comes up in the spring but also bloom on last year's growth so old wood and new wood now endless summer hydrangeas are not white like the ones we were just talking about with georgina endless summers are pinks and purples and blues depending on the ph of your soil Um, sometimes endless summers can be great when you buy them when you plant them beautiful beautiful flowers and then they'll be green for a number of years so they can be a bit frustrating that way Um, preparing them for winter bottom line jane is Uh, Leave them alone if you can. I, I, particularly where she's living in the Niagara area, as I mentioned to Georgina, I really like leaving the hydrangeas alone in the fall if I can. I like the flowers. I like them hanging on the plants. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't mind them. You know, they will start blowing around the neighborhood at some point, those flowers, but that's okay. Uh, And I just leave them alone. And I do all my pruning in the spring when I start to see the green buds swelling and when the soil is dry enough for me to be walking in my garden. So it might be April by the time I'm doing my cutting back and I would cut right down. In the case of a fairly newly planted plant like these endless summers, I would, what will happen is you get green buds growing randomly on the stems. So next spring, the stems that are there now will be there in the spring. There'll be green buds randomly on the stems. If you cut to the green buds, you're going to have plants of many heights. 
So you have to come up with the lowest common denominator, take the stems down to green buds, but take it down as far as you have to so that you've got some uniformity in your pruning. And absolutely, organic matter is always a great amendment to any of our garden plants in the spring and or in the fall. So, um, yeah, put... Um, when no, you shouldn't have to do any protection. She wondered about uh, putting straw and leaves over the plant. Again, she's in the banana belt there down in the Beamsville area. So your endless summer should be fine. If you are worried they're in a really windy exposed spot, then absolutely sure. You can kick some leaves uh, or put a little bit of straw, a couple inches of straw over the plants, but get that all pulled away in the spring before you do your pruning. All right. Okay. Uh, Charlie, we have, uh, Carlos has lined up for us, Shirley from Brampton on the line. How are you this morning, Shirley? Oh, good morning. Um, good morning. I have a plant here. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> it's a red, shiny leaf with little things sticking out of it. <laughs> I call it amaranth, but I know that's not right. You know what it is? It's anthurium. Okay. Anyway, and it's uh, getting too tall. I'm going to have to cut a hole in the ceiling. And uh, okay. I'd like to know if I can cut it back. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. How tall is it? Um, it's uh, about two and a half feet tall. Shiny red, you're saying leaves, but they're like a heart-shaped yes, shiny I, yeah, leaf. I call it amaranth, but I know that's not the right name. Amaranth is a plant. It's a hmm. But it is a shiny, shiny leaf spring. with a little thing sticking out of it. Yeah, that's what anthurium does. That's actually a flower. It's a bract. That red shiny thing is a colored bract, like a poinsettia does the same thing. And then the the protuberance sticking out of the red leaf is actually the flower called a spath. Okay. Uh, are green leaves as well? Yes, big green yeah, leaves. And heart shaped. Too tall. Um, hmm. But it's, it's the kind. kind of leaning over, and I have a kind of shorted up, but um, I wondered mm. if I could cut it back a bit. Well, you can. All the growth on that plant comes from the crown of the plant, and the crown is way down at soil level. Yeah. So yeah. your leaves come from there, and your flowers come from there. Uh, it is a plant that you need to turn it. It should be in a light, in a window, preferably east window, um, or or uh, close to, not right in a south window or west window. It wants bright light. It doesn't need direct sunlight, but it does need brightness. It does get you, the afternoon sun. Okay, so that's good. And you'll, you will turn it because you want the growth to be even on the plant. Yes. If you don't turn it, it'll all grow just towards the window. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, if something's too tall, you get out your sharp pruners and you just follow that stem right down to the crown, which is down at the soil level, and remove whatever's getting too tall. Oh, it okay. is a plant that likes to be kept moist, too. Yeah, yeah, oh, I do, yes. Okay, okay, that's good. I shall try that then. All right, good okay, luck with thanks that. Thanks very much. <laughs> thanks, Shirley. Okay. I, I love watching you put your figurative uh, uh, detective cap on, <laughs> trying to figure out from the verbal description what plant this might be. <laughs> Yeah, the the best ones are when it's like, I don't know what it's called. It's yeah. got green leaves. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Uh, we have we have some more callers waiting on the line. Uh, let's go to Thornhill. Uh, Kathy, Kathy, how are you today? Do we have to? Yeah, there we are, Kathy. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. 
Um, so my problem, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, okay, good. Um, I have a beautiful bromeliad plant I've had for a few years. It's grown two extra plants on either side of the the mother plant. I don't know how to separate them, and I'm dying to make the main one flower, and I have no idea how to do it. Oh, oh so the main one did flower. It must have flowered already a couple of years ago. Yes, it did. That's so nice, it beautiful. will. Okay, and the leaves on the mother plant, the main plant, are they? They're still green, or are they turning yellow and brown? Uh, they're still green. Let me just run up and look at it. They're still green. It looks just very healthy. Okay. Let me yeah, yeah, they're all green. Yeah, okay, it's good. Well, so the way it works with bromeliads, um, for those of you that have never grown one, it is a member of the same family that pineapples belong to. So the, the leaves grow in what we would call a rosette shape, which is if okay. you look at the top of a pineapple, that's the same way that the leaves grow on a pineapple. And the flowers come from the center. Right. It takes a couple of years for the plant to flower. And once it does flower, the flowers last for many months, three, yeah. four, five months. The daughter plants that are growing off the side usually form as a result of the mother plant having already flowered. And then the mother oh. plant will die and the daughters will survive. And they can be severed from the mother. But I wouldn't worry about it now. Now is not the time to start messing around with cutting up your bromeliad. Keep it okay. in lots of sun, brightest, yes. brightest yes. window that you've got in the house. Keep watering into the top of all three of the plants with room I temperature. Do. I do. Yep. And, and don't water every day, obviously, but it's the kind of thing where the plant does not want to ever be fully dried out. So right. it's, um, it's native to like Hawaii, right, where it's humid and it rains every day for 15 minutes. So it's that idea of high humidity, warm, moist temperatures uh and 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 lots of sun so it i would just be happy with whatever it does this winter it may start to pop a flower for you later in the winter because that's when they traditionally bloom is february march and um and uh enjoy but you can sever turn it into three plants in the spring and i'll i'll explain how to do that if you want to call back in the spring and we'll get out our butcher knife and start chopping it up okay thank you so much okay Thank You're you. welcome. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Kathy. Uh, again, our number is 416-360-0740, anywhere in Toronto. Or if you're outside the city of Toronto, anywhere in the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. And that is a toll-free call. We're going to go to a break, uh, but I just I have a quick, a quick joke for you, Charlie. This, <laughs> okay. this was passed on to me. I was talking to a musician friend of mine. I, you know, I've got a concert coming up in December, and he's a guitar player. And he said to me, oh, he says, well, well tell Charlie this for me. He says, uh, with ferns like that, who needs anemones? Anemones. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> so that's from so that's from Mike in Toronto. <laughs> Thank you. And and a quick uh, note for you, Dean. Yes. You your peonies flop. Have you ever heard of peony rings? Yes, I've seen them. I just you know what? I don't like the look of them somehow. You know, but but yes, I have seen them. Okay, so what you do, I've even used tomato cages for the same purpose. You just have to get them in the ground in the spring, and then the plants grow up inside, and the plants will cover the rings. Okay, so I just need to plant them early, and I have to just deal with it in the spring, but then I won't see them. 
That's right. Yeah. I mean, leave okay. your peonies where they are. Just put the rings around, like over top of where the peonies are going to grow in the spring. And then you won't see the rings in a couple of weeks. Gotcha. Okay, so we have to take a break now, but when we come back, a bit of excitement. I get to pull out the uh, the garden wings again because we have a first-time caller, okay? Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, I got to tell you, Charlie, we have lots of callers on the line, so we have to keep moving, and we have... A first-time caller from Oshawa. Crystal, how are you? I'm fine. How's Charlie? <laughs> Charlie's great. I, I have to give you your garden wings first, okay? Yes. Yes. Hello, Charlie. Welcome to the show, Crystal. I can hardly hear you. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. I have a question. I have two Rose of Sharon planted in, um, not last summer, the summer before, and I'm backing on on a ravine and don't get lots of sun, but I had lots and lots of buds on both bushes, but uh, they only opened half, Mm. like half of the buds actually opened. Now all the leaves are gone and the buds are still on there. The unopened ones. Now, do I have to cut them back? Uh, okay, I have a quick question. Are they, you bought these plants or were they given to you? No, I planted them. I bought them in the, in the, in the garden center. And do you remember, are they single flowers or double flowers? Oh, I don't know. No, I don't remember. Okay. Uh, so do you have to cut them back? Well, uh, next spring, not now, but next uh-huh. spring... It would be a good idea to cut the plant back. Okay. If there's any possible or plants, any possible way you can get them into a situation where they will get six hours of sun every day, minimum, okay. you're more likely to see those flowers opening in uh, September. Uh-huh. If you can't move them, you may find that, that this is what will happen every year. You'll get half buds. Yeah. Uh, And that can be very frustrating. So try, if you can, just to get them into more light and that they should be better for you and more ornamental. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll do that. Do you remember, Charlie, I worked with you at White Rose? Ah, I think I I recognize your voice, actually. (laughs) Anyway, I thank you for your advice, and I will do what you told me to do with them. (laughs) Okay, thank you so very much. Oh, good old white rose, man. Yeah. How long were you there, uh, Oh, uh, a, a generation. 18 years. 18 years. Wow. But I did a- every job in the world, every job that any retail store ever has, I did it. <laughs> so I did a lot. I worked at the head office. I did marketing. I was in the stores. I was on the road. I was everywhere. But I opened the Oshawa store as the store manager in 1986. So that's mm. probably likely where crystal worked with me was in the oshawa store wow wow listen uh we have uh we have norma norma on the line and norma is from saint Catharines, or or i sometimes call it saint kitts how are you today norma you there my dear morning oh maybe we don't have norma uh okay Hi. well then we'll go to uh I'm here. let's go oh you're there norma you're there how are you? I'm fine. 
I'm I'm calling in about banking up the the roses. Mm-hmm. I'm calling in about banking up roses. Uh, planting roses. Banking them up for the winter time. Yeah, what we call hilling. Yes, that's right. Now the soil I have, I've taken out of my window boxes and planters. Can I can I use Miracle Grow soil? Yes, you can because you've it's already been used by the other plants, right? Right. Yeah. And yeah. That's yeah, perfectly just, okay. Yeah, it'll be a bit clumpy, and there'll be some roots in there. So just make sure that you loosen the soil so that it's nice and literally loose before you drop it on top of the roses. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. I like that. That's recycling at its best. Yeah, yeah. So banking or healing. We call it healing? It's called healing. Um, So you you mentioned something about growing roses up at your place in Collingwood, uh, Dean, and that you hadn't had a lot of luck in Collingwood the way you had back in Hamilton, which is milder climate. So that if there's two kinds of roses out there, one kind is roses that have been grafted or budded onto a rootstock, like the Floribunda you mentioned. They are not growing on their own roots. They are growing on another rose roots, and they need to be hilled. So that's what Norm is talking about. We've had a good hard frost. The roses should have gone dormant now, and now we hill with about, oh, as much as 10 inches or 25 centimeters of a loose earth or chopped up leaves mixed with some loose earth. And the idea is we're just putting some, by putting either the the soil or the leaves or or praying for snow, which is what you get in Collingwood, Mm -hmm. uh, consistency, that it's the air. There's all air in between those snowflakes, just like there's air in between the soil particles, helps the roses get through the winter because of our extreme warm and then cold and then, you know, rain and then frost and then, you know, snow and then rain and just the silly winters we have these days. The plants get very uh, confused because they, they don't stay dormant if it starts raining in January. So by putting that hill around, we keep them as asleep as we possibly can until it really is spring. Okay. I, I'm wondering, we get quite the wind uh, off of Georgian Bay, just where I am, and I'm sure other places get, you know, windy spells. If I should um, maybe put something on top of it to keep that healing there, especially if I'm using leaves. Well, yes, that's right. Just leaves alone would blow away, but I would put leaves with some soil on top of the okay. leaves just to okay. hold them down. Uh, and you're right. I mean, do you find that your snow blows away when you when you get snow? Like, is it, are you windswept that way? Sometimes, uh, because we're, we're right at the base of South Georgian Bay, right? So Collingwood is right there. We get a lot of winds uh, from the, uh, the northwest that tend to whip right across the bay and make it that couple of degrees lower. And so we, uh, we do get, you know, quite the winds. And, yeah, it can, it can blow things around a bit. Yeah, and that's where that hill comes in, whether it's on your roses. Um, this year I planted butterfly bush, which I love. Budley eye is the proper name. It's a wonderful butterfly attracting plant that mm-hmm. blooms late summer. But it, I, I hilled it because I went out there and put, you know, 10 inches of soil over top of the crown of the plant because I, I want it to survive the winter. And similar to you, it is very windy where I live. Right. Okay. Listen, we have to take a quick break, but we have more callers on the line. So we'll, uh, we'll do that break right now and be back in just a few moments. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. 
Okay, we're back for the Garden Show. And before we get to our next caller, I do want to mention that if you want to send an email uh, to Charlie, uh, you can do that at c.dobbin at mzmedia.com. Okay, so that's another way that uh, that you can get in touch with her. Uh, Charlie, I've got on the line from uh, right in Toronto. I've got Elizabeth. How are you this morning, Elizabeth? I'm fine, thank you. Um, and good morning. A quick question. I have an amaryllis, two bulbs. I brought in the beginning of September, put them in the basement, and totally forgot about them until yesterday. Went down, and they're dried out with no leaves. And um, I wonder if I can resuscitate them and uh, throw them out. Oh, actually, no. No, no, no. What you've done is perfect. I know, hard to believe, but what you've done is perfect. When you brought them in, Elizabeth, from in September, they had green leaves, obviously, yes. right? Okay. Yes. You put them in the dark basement. You haven't watered them. So now just clean up all the yellow leaves and crispy anything crispy that's um, lying on the floor or around the plants. And... It's now November. I would leave them, just check them, just put on your calendar to go down once a week, minimum, and look at them. Magically, one of those trips to your basement in the next probably four weeks, when you go down, the flower, little flower stem is going to have started to grow out of the bulbs. There's no light in my basement that I could put them in. They won't be green. They will be white. What grows up will be white. I mean, I guess the other thing would be to ask you is if you felt the bulbs right now, if you put your fingers around the bulbs and squeezed, there's, they're, they're, um, they're not like mushy or, or empty, right? There's got some, some heft to the bulbs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't worry. There's all kinds of energy inside those bulbs. Flowers are going to grow in the dark. But as soon as you start to see a little bit of growth happening, your job is to now take those those pots with the bulbs upstairs into the light, in into a bright window, and water once thoroughly, and allow that plant to start to grow because it will. It will in the warmth, the light, the water. It will start to grow, and then will water as necessary and enjoy hopefully lots of flowers and leaves for another nine months. So I do, I do water them while they're in the basement now? No. No, do not oh, water thank you. Until you take them upstairs. Yes. And you'll take them upstairs when you start to see some growth. Oh, thank you very much. Very <laughs> relieved. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's magic. Amaryllis are magic. I've got them figured out. It's only taken me 40 years, but I've got them figured out now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you ever so much. Oh, okay. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. Now, now, Charlie, amaryllis, those are all the flowers that we're seeing in, like, all the stores now in the boxes, right? Yep. Really great Christmas gift. Yeah, well, you know what? I've been looking at one uh, for, I want to buy one for my wife, and there's a lot of different varieties, and I'm not sure which direction to go, so maybe you can advise me. Oh, there's, you're right. There's so many out there. Um <clears throat> Red is the most common one. I think it's called red lion. Red lion. Yeah. Uh, it's probably the most common, and it's very easy. Easy. They're all easy to grow. But if you say no, red just doesn't go with our decor, or my wife hates red. Then you know, there's pinks and peaches out there. <clears throat> and if you get really fancy, there's all kinds of doubles and semi doubles, and now there's greens and shades of colors you've never seen in, in nature. Fabulous. Can we squeeze in one more call? I've got uh, I've got Diane. I've got Diane on the line from Dorchester. How are you this morning, yeah. Diane? Hi, how are you doing? I have uh, a, well, I have three plants, and when I bought them, they were 
told that they wouldn't grow real big. Well, this is the, the third year. Uh, last year, I just took off the dead stems. It's called cat mint, cat mint. And I got it because I'm allergic to mosquitoes, and so is my grandson. So I put one right on, right beside the sidewalk. Well, this year, I don't know if I should just chop it right off and hope for the best in the spring because even when we had all the snow and we're trying to shovel on the sidewalk, it's coming over from the snow. It's splitting the plant, like flattening it out, and it's coming right over onto my sidewalk. Should I leave it till the spring and just uh, um, cut it off then, or should I cut it off now, uh, Charlie? Because all I ever did before was cut out all the dead stems. I never took off anything that was uh, green growth. Okay, so uh, Diane, what I would do, this is one of those situations where you have to remember, you are the master. The plants do not run the garden you do. So with that cat mint growing over the sidewalk, making it tough for walking, maybe not even safe for some people, and obviously interfering with shoveling or sweeping, get out your pruners today, perfect day to be out there, cut that plant right back down to ground level if you want, or at least cut all the section off that's going out over the sidewalk and leave the other part in the garden if you like. Either way, in the spring, the whole thing should be cut back, right back to the crown of the plant, and it will all grow back from that that growing point where you planted it. And it's a great plant. It's uh, beautiful flowers, uh, a very, very friendly plant for pollinators. It's a really supportive plant for pollinator gardens. Okay, doke. Great. Thank Thanks. You. My goodness, we're at the end of the hour. And I got to run, Charlie, very shortly because I've got some, some winter fertilizer to put down on my grass. <laughs> Good idea. You better get that fertilizer out before winter starts. Yeah. And I've got to run because I've got burlap to wrap some of my cedars in that are in hot, hot sun and wind. And a uh, little winter protection goes a long ways on a couple of my plants. But we have done the fertilizing. I will say that. <laughs> the lawn. Yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little behind, but I'm, I'm still. It's going to be five today, seven tomorrow. A bit of rain. I'm still yeah. good though. Yeah, you're, you're good. Definitely, it's perfect today because that rain tomorrow is going to be excellent on that fertilizer. So I feel like we're all a little behind. I don't know what happened this fall. It's just like we've all got long lists of things to do. So thanks a bunch for all the great calls from all our listeners, and thank you, Dean, for for being such a great a great person to chat with on air. Thanks, Carlos, for all your tech support. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.